0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Choose Inclusion. Uh, I am here today with our, uh, my co-host as usual, UB and Mike. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing well. Thanks for
2: coming back, everybody. Yeah, doing well. Thanks for uh, checking in.
0: So uh, we're excited about our guest today. Um, Today we have Tanya DePass for our Black Voices Matter series. Tanya, also known as Cypher of Tear. Uh, is an American journalist, activist, and streamer. And she is the founder of the nonprofit organization I Need Diverse Games. Uh, I actually first uh, met Tanya in the Twitter sphere, um, just reading about all the great thought leadership she was putting out there around um, the the lack of diversity in the gaming industry in particular, and the need to bring in more voices from underrepresented groups um, into the industry. And so I was really excited that she She is graciously giving her time to us today. So Tanya, welcome to the podcast. Tanya, you're muted.
3: (laughs) Good job, me, and I'm a professional. Hi, how are you?
0: (laughs) So Tanya, uh, I guess like the first question we always ask our guests is really just a a check-in because there's so much going on in the the world, in the country, and in your industry. Particular with the stuff happening today. So, the question number one is just how how
3: are you doing? How are you holding up? I'm exhausted um, in a lot of ways uh, physically because it is so hot here in Chicago. It's hot and humid, and that kind of heat, I just kind of wilt like a flower. Um, but also just emotionally exhausted because, you know, just because Black Lives Matter has fallen off of people's Twitter handles and we're not seeing coverage of protests does not mean that it's not still happening you know Breonna Taylor George Floyd there's been no justice for their murders and there are more and more people risking their lives to go protest and to show that injustice cannot stand especially when it's the people that quote unquote supposed to serve and protect us are the ones perpetrating violence so there's an emotional weariness because as expected there was like this spike of I'm really into it, I, I care about black lives and I'm gonna go protest, so I'm gonna donate. And now a lot of those same people, are they're exhausted as they've said of all of this. And it's like, well, congratulations, welcome to black lives 24 seven of not being allowed to rest from this. I can not I can't shut it off and then just pretend I'm not black for the day. If you're someone who's out there marching and everything else and you're exhausted, imagine how black people actually feel. So there's a weariness of spirit to go with that. Oh God, it's so hot. I just want to lay under a fan right now and not talk or move.
0: Yeah, I hear ya. I hear ya. Um, and I think this is this is that we're starting to see that wind down now, right? Like we've been we've been talking about it on the podcast for weeks about what happens when the wind down happens and people start moving on. And I think we're we're hitting that place where we're starting to see. Can we keep this momentum or or, or is it going to fade away? Um, because this doesn't, this doesn't erase the experiences of Black people um, that have been experiencing this for hundreds of years. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about kind of your, your background in, in the gaming industry and how, how you ended up finding founding I Need Diverse Games.
3: So my, back, my history in games is accidental as someone in the industry. Um, As a gamer, I've been playing games since I was a kid, you know, grew up with arcades, first edition Dungeons and Dragons. And I've always loved games, but as I got older, I realized those games did not love me back in the same way. And and not that I expect an inanimate object to love me, but you know, it, it gets tiresome when you finally have that light bulb moment of, I've been playing games for 10, 20 years, 30 years, and I still don't see people like me as a standard So, 2014, there was a lot going on in games, and I was just frustrated because I think the games we had kind of been hinted at at E3 were starting to get more press and were coming out, and it was the same old, same old BS of, you know, brown-haired, blue-eyed, white dude saves the woman, or she's been murdered, and that's his motivation for doing whatever he's doing in this game, or his kid's missing, or, you know, the same bullshit that is the MO for most games. And I was just tired. I just I just hit that boiling point of why is it so hard to have games with women in the lead, with Black protagonists, with Latinx protagonists, you know, have mental health issues in a game and not have it be the, the reason a villain is the way they are you know, not using insanity as a metric in games like a lot of tabletop games used to and still do for some of them. And I was just mad. I was fired up before I had to go to my day job. Threw out a bunch of tweets with uh, I need diverse games as a hashtag and uh, right place, right time, lightning in a bottle where a lot of people in the industry, a lot of friends, uh, shout out to Mickey Kendall, Carnithia, who amplified some of those tweets and she's always had a, a much bigger Twitter presence and she shared a lot of those tweets and also made a point of saying hey this is where this came from a black woman originated it and it just got picked up by a lot of industry folks and the conversation was in a place where you know folks wanted to talk about it it wasn't just yeah this trended and then it went away like after 24 hours like a lot of twitter things do um you know people started getting in touch you want to talk about it and you know it was good because it opened the door to conversations that need to happen anyway, and not in a cyclical way, not in a, okay, this year we're mad about diversity, next year we're gonna make sure that we get enough queer characters, etc. This was more of a, people are fed up. This opened the floodgates, and clearly it's not going away. People want to talk about it, and we just kind of ran from there, and I uh, wound up with me being on a bunch of podcasts, doing panels doing some articles, doing my own podcast. And then I was in the unfortunate position of needing a day job. And so I decided I'd see if this could be my day job and see where I was when unemployment ran out and I've been going ever since.
2: I'm, I, so, uh, bravo. I'm, uh, so I, uh, uh, kindred spirit so much. Tanya is the reason why I started my nonprofit. But I, um, again, being the token blind person in uh, very large Fortune 500, Fortune 600 companies, is the reason why I started my nonprofit as well. Uh, so um, to make that that difference, and and I I love the model that you're creating, uh, that you've created as a business uh, that. Is, is so instead of just advocacy like you're actually uh, promoting workforce development concepts within your nonprofit can do, do you mind because I, I think it's super important for people to realize that uh, you know when we're talking about black lives matter we're talking about this uh, you know these, these concepts like I'm I'm a big fan of financial and economic uh, metrics and uh, tactics and how do you so to to bring um, uh, to, to bring minority groups up, like you have to provide a financial and economic platform for them uh, to to be able to lift their own voices up. And that's exactly what I'm hearing that your organization is doing. Can you talk a bit more about like all of that?
3: Oh, uh, yeah. So um, we're funded basically through Patreon. Um, and one, once in a while, like for once a year, I would do kind of a Hey, we're struggling. We don't know if we're going to make it till the end of the year and put out, rate you no, know, put out the hat as it were. Um, but we've been very fortunate, and that our patreons kind of leveled out, and it's worked out where going to conventions in a normal year is um, either been subsidized or things like that. But the main thing we've been doing is getting people to the Game Developer Conference every year in San Francisco. Obviously, not this year, but the GDC itself has a program where they'll give organizations 25 passes or pass codes, And those are valued at about $2,000 U.S. So they give us almost $50,000 worth of badges. And that's the biggest issue for a lot of people is going things like this. I mean, I'm sure as, as all of us know, going to a professional conference, if your job doesn't pay for you, you're more than likely not going to go. When I worked in higher ed for 16 years, if they didn't pay for me to go, I didn't go to our annual conference. I didn't even go to our regional because even though I didn't have to fly anywhere, it was still a lot. Um, And then because this year is such an odd, weird year and we're still, we still have patronage. So thank you everyone who supports us, but the money's not going out because there's nowhere to go. We've been able to subsidize um, colleagues conventions that have now gone online. Um, our friends at Game Developer of Color, they're doing their event online later this month. So we're able to provide more funds than usual. We always support, but we're able to say, hey, we've got extra money here. Please take it for your event. Um, we're in talks right now to figure out a way to give small one-time grants to people. Because a lot of times people, I feel, they get very angry about saying, give people money. But at the end of the day, money is a resource. And a lot of people, if they just had the money to make their project, make their game, you know, or be able to go, I know my rent and bills are paid and I can eat cheap for a couple months, then they can focus on creating because the myth of the starving artist is just that it's a, it's a myth. So what we're trying to do, especially since we have such a surplus right now is to give back, we've been donating to like St. Jude, black girls code, um, Trevor project. And what we're trying to do now is, okay, we've got this pool of money. It's already July. It's clear. No conventions are probably going to happen this year that we normally attend. So let's give back to people and say, here's a thousand dollars. Here's $1,500, you know, put it toward a project, but not just here's money. What does your project do to increase inclusion? So kind of taking a page out of how we review applications for the game developer conference passes of your project has to amplify and uplift inclusion in our industry, be that tabletop, be that video games, not just here's a grand cause you happen to be a black developer. And I know some may be listening and go, well, that's weird. You're, you're saying one thing and doing another. It's like we want to give money to people that are doing the work and not just going, you made one thing, here it is. Which sound could sound weird and I'm probably not explaining it very well. We've never been in a position to give out grants. But we're trying to make it fair and that we are boosting marginalized developers, but also not just seen as you have extra money or using other people's money for this, but that's our mission to help people. Um, and if next year is a, is a point at which we can Start going to conventions again and doing events, then we'll help people get to those events. Um, but the long and short is give people money to do stuff because that is the biggest barrier. And you know, international friends—not that I would advise anyone to come to the U.S. now—but you know, when we can travel again, you know, international friends have double, triple, quadruple the cost to come to these same things that I can go to for a few hundred, maybe a couple thousand dollars. So the TLDR is we want to give people access through giving them funds or sponsoring things or sponsoring tickets and doing, doing things. So there's access versus just here's a code camp, here's a laptop. And then we never talk to you again.
1: Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's the long search, long-term sustainability of it, because I think there, there is a future for people in, in this world, in this business, what, what have been the effects first of covid and then now black lives matter in this in in this world because i imagine it it might be a little different than people are thinking on the covid side specifically and what are the conversations happening like how how are gamers handling all of this
3: um well So for gamers, I think gamers in general, depending on what you do for gaming, if you're someone that's at home anyway and playing on PS4 Xbox with your friends, it's probably not much different. You log into work if you've still got a job, hopefully. And then instead of a commute, you've got a couple extra hours to play with your friends. Or if you're a tabletop gamer, you've had to adjust and do things remotely through Zoom, through Roll20, through D&D Beyond, through all these tools that exist, but we had options previously now it's like well i can't sit it right next to my buddy at a table but i can hop on a zoom call we can still roll dice um overall i think it's been good a lot more people are using twitch a lot more people are streaming and discovering ways in which they can also kind of have community without the ability to go and sit with someone or go to a convention or or go to dinner, or call up someone and say, "Hey, come over. Let's play a new game." Um, and in terms of Black Lives Matter, there's been a lot of anger. There's been a lot of righteous anger. There's there's still protesting. There's still people out in the streets. There's still people demanding justice for the people that have been murdered by police. But as expected, when I was when I was talking about and during my intro, the fervor has died down. The anger of the people that have the privilege to not be in fear of police, that don't have to worry about if I go to the store and I have to go to the store with a black person in a mask, is someone gonna assume the worst and call the cops on me? Or if I'm walking down the street, is some dude with a Confederate flag going to roll up on me just trying to go from point A to point B because I have no choice but to leave my house. Um, Black Lives Matter has been, to me, maligned as a terrorist group, and that is absolutely untrue. And the fact is a lot of people get very angry when they hear Black Lives Matter because they add in either only Black Lives Matter Or black lives matter more when neither of those have been said or added or true we're just simply saying black lives matter because they've not mattered in the past you know this country has a history of slavery and people want to act like slavery is just so long ago no it's there are people alive that are descendants of slaves so this is not ancient history that people want to talk about um and black lives matter i think you know, it's always been an incredible movement. It's always been calling for accountability and showing that we matter too. But I think we finally hit that reckoning point where even if you don't believe in what Black Lives Matter does, and I'm saying this not as a Black person because I firmly believe in it and have given and supported since day one, it's the people that, that will listen to Fox News and think that BLM is a terrorist organization or their their immediate response is, well, what about black on black crime? Well, we're not talking about black on black crime. And also there's not enough black people to have all the black on black crime you keep throwing out here as a statistic. There are literally less of us than white people. And yet this weird fear and terror and anger pervades. And and even when um, Bungie, Um, They make destiny, destiny two, they very intentionally had eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence to show the amount of time that it took for George Floyd to die. And I thought it was a little weird, but as a company, they didn't have to do that. They could have just shown the new content that's coming in a couple months and gone about their business. But. I need to see that continue from companies where they say Black Lives Matter and they put out their statement, but then their actions don't follow. And this is especially true with gaming companies lately. So it it's affected a lot of people, and you haven't been able to ignore it. But now we're seeing the the ally fatigue, as I uncharitably call it. Of I haven't I done enough? I gave fifty bucks. What? Why are you still mad and isn't the pandemic over and, and why don't you care? Cause one person got arrested. Breonna Taylor was sleeping in her home, minding her business and she died. She was murdered and the three cops involved are still, well, the cop involved is still, I think he got fired, but he murdered someone. He should do jail time. The three cops who killed George Floyd still have jobs as far as I know. Mm-hmm. So you know and forgive me but i'm blanking on the name of the gentleman that was shot while he was out for a jog the the family that murdered him is finally facing charges after how many months and pressure you know we are we are killed with impunity and it's always oh well they took a candy bar once when they were 5 years old so it's totally fine that they were murdered and it's just it's such it's such bullshit yeah. that our lives are worth so little to people that they will posthumously try to legitimize people's murders you know yeah and it was it
1: was ahmed Aubrey and and, and then yes. there's elijah mcclain here in in aurora in colorado too i mean just yeah. a, like like a handful of examples of so many more
3: it's over the last 10 12 years So
0: so Tony, one of the questions I, you know, I keep on, I'm coming across because now we're getting to that place where three weeks ago there's so much performative stuff, just like what you were talking about with Bungie Games, right? Um, You know, people putting out the BLM hashtag on their corporate accounts and all this stuff. I mean, but even today, you saw that you had told us about Twitch putting out a tweet about BLM. Um, I was wondering if you could speak to a little bit about kind of what are some of the performative things you've seen and how would you wh- how would you want companies to be doing things differently? Like what do you really want them to be doing instead of what you're seeing them doing?
3: Um, so in a in a video, well, a tweet that's now deleted, they shared a lot of prominent white streamers talking about Black Lives Matter, but not a lot of Black voices, and they did do a Black Lives Matter um, video, but it was it was here. Read this, you know. Make sure that you're very poignantly saying Black Lives Matter, and it's it just felt very much like look at these allies. Aren't you glad for these allies? And you know, there are so many Black streamers that have been having hard conversations at the risk, and I shouldn't even say the risk. I, let me walk that back. There have been Black streamers who've been having these conversations about. I know that you watch my channel, you watch my stream, you come in, we have a good time, we play games. But at the end of the day, when I leave, when the camera's off, or I go about my regular day, still black in this country. And, you know, one of my friends, DJ Knight, you know, former, former service, former Air Force, um, taught in games industry, has made games. um, You know, wonderful human being that I have the honor to call a friend, he's still a big dark-skinned black dude when he walks out his door. The world doesn't care that everyone loves DJ Night. But, you know, someone like him, someone like uh, X Mirror Mirror, my friend, uh, Misty Imperial, that have been having these really hard conversations with our audiences and just going, okay, breaking the fourth wall, if, if that's the thing we do here we can't ignore this. We can't look at this. And then people going, well, I'm just here for entertainment. That's cool. That's you. That's your life. You can go be entertained elsewhere. Right now we're having these conversations and, and, you know, I, well, I think what Bungie did was important, but if they don't do it again, if other companies don't do it again, then it does feel performative. Um, you know, Twitch put on black lives matter statement and black and a video and, and all this other stuff, but it's like Black Lives Matter but Black Voices Matter, which is the hashtag for the series. There, It's not like there's a dearth of black streamers they could have asked or had like a town hall or something instead of basically promoting all of these white popular streamers. And there were only two black streamers in the whole video. One of which I don't think even had they didn't have a clip of them actually speaking. They were just in the video. So it just felt very white nighty. It felt very, here, allies. And know um, I'm sure you've seen me say this, I don't need an ally, I need an accomplice. Mm-hmm. I yeah. need someone to do the work. and And that's what it feels like. It's like, look, look at all these people saying the right thing. Okay, cool, that's nice but where the black folks have been saying this longer and with a lot more behind, because it's our lives on the line. You know, when police try to do cutesy little things like give a black kid ice cream and you see this child screaming and running away because they're sure they're going to die. This is a child. So it's things like that where that performativeness and trying to be officer smiley and companies doing things. And it, it, and I, and I don't want to use tone up because I know that's an ableist term. I'm trying to a better way to phrase it. It's like, it's unthinking, but it is indicative of there probably wasn't a single black person in that room or if there was, they couldn't speak up because most of the time when you're the brown person, you're the black person in the room, either you speak up and you're ignored or every room and every head in the room turns to you like you were speaker for your people. And that's too much pressure to put on any one or two individuals in a company, especially one the size of Twitch, you know.
1: Yeah, I love this. This conversation is uh, (laughs) It's been, it's awesome because it's a perspective we haven't had yet. And, but I think what I'm learning, I mean, the 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 same things need to happen, right? Like it's like it's action, it's, to your point, accomplice. I mean, we've heard that word a few times now and I love that. Um, it's, and it, it's using the platforms that we have to have the conversations that we need to have. You know, I, I, I love what you said about, you know, if you're here just to be entertained, please go somewhere else right now. We need to have this conversation as a community of people who frankly have intense amounts of influence in the world right now. Like we need Mm. to have this conversation and it's, it's a conversation amongst the majority of of people I imagine are, are younger and what, you know, what better time to have that conversation. Um, Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's an incredible, incredible times.
3: Yeah. And thing is with Twitch, at least it's not always super young people. And, and I think that feeds into a lot of people, assuming gamers are young, gamers are, are not aware. There's a lot of gamers like that are, because if you look at stats, the average quote unquote gamer is more like us, not the 18 to 35 Mm. year old white dude assumed to be in someone's basement because older people, thirties, forties with disposable income that can buy a $500 game console versus the 18 year old kid that has to run to mom and dad,
1: you know? Right, Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Well, and also, I mean, that's why with the work you're doing with your nonprofit is is great because the the socioeconomic differences that that have, you know, are are a huge factor in where we are today is, that's exactly why you're doing what you're doing Um, And, and I love that because you're trying to give everybody a chance. Everyone deserves a chance.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Doesn't matter who you are, what color you are, gender, whatever. Um, Awesome. Well, Tanya, thank you. This was um, phenomenal. Is there anything you want to leave, leave the audience with, leave us with.
3: Um, well, aside from what I said about black lives matter, not having words in front or behind it is get away from the idea that diversity or inclusion means losing quality because so many people, their immediate comeback and say, we need to hire diversely. We need to think about inclusion is, well, we need the best candidates. Yeah, okay. you need the best candidates, but that still can be the black dude who, you know, only has an associate's degree, but is self-taught coder mm-hmm. and is running rings around your professional coder sitting in an office 10 hours a day. You know, it doesn't have, because that is reinforcing whiteness as assumed best. And that is right. code for, and I'm sure all of us have seen it, especially in tech sphere. when you're not a good fit means you're not like the bro that's in the, the main guy's fraternity that he promised a job to whenever he needed one, but you're really better at this job. Or you get hired for a lower position and wind up training the person that got the job you were actually qualified for. Right,
1: that's incredible. Okay. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, I love. I love that you said that, and it, it brings to mind one quick thing. But and I, I, I know we were going to end, but it was interesting. I was on a call this morning, and there's a company out in, uh, I think the Bay Area, but they, um, they're developing an algorithm that will, because there's in in coding, there's the master and slave concept, right? And yeah, they're. Yeah, they mentioned- so,
0: Twitter,
1: they've all been dismantling that. Big. Yeah, so that just brought that to my, cause you're right, words absolutely matter,
3: even in a context like that. Yeah, that, the first time I put together a computer and read the instructions where it was like, slave driver, I was like, what? Right. right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's-
1: Unbelievable.
0: Insidious. It's
1: just, it, it is, and it's embedded, and that's, that's what we're trying to change. So thank you, Tanya, for all your work. Thank you for today. Thank you for trusting us. Um, really amazing conversation. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Nina. And you know, thank you everybody for for continuing to listen. We're going to keep doing this, like we said, until until things change. Because you're right now, to Tanya's point, like people are sort of losing steam, but it's not it's not time to do that. So we're not going to do that. So stick with us. ChooseInclusion.com. Thank you, everybody.
3: Thanks, Take care. Welcome.
0: Bye.
1: Thanks, Tanya. Thank you, guys.
0: Oh, you're so welcome.